and welcome to Manchester's Big Theatre Podcast. It is the first episode. Uh, I'm Joe, and I am a theatre director in Manchester. And I'm Sophie and I'm an actor. And in our free time, we have decided to launch th- this podcast, which is going to be all about the Manchester theatre scene, who the people working in it, what are the venues, yeah, and give us a sense of what's going on in Manchester. So for our first episode, we went uh, to Oldham Coliseum to go and speak to Chris Lawson, who is the associate director there and also does a lot of work with bringing the studio theatre, it's kind of his own little project as well that he's, he's working really hard with. And Sophie uh, carried out this uh, interview, uh, and it, there is a lot of rain, I think, in the background, uh, but it is Manchester, so we might have to get used to that in the, some of the episodes. Um, and yeah, let's go. Hello, and welcome. Thank you very much for speaking to us today, Chris. Um, Our first question we wanted to ask you was, um, can you tell us a bit about yourself and how you came to the North West? Yes, I've been at the Oldham Coliseum for two years, uh, two years this week, I think, and moved up from North London. I was living in Hackney and uh, working in Islington at the Armida Theatre. And so I came up for the job of Associate Director, which is fairly rare for a director to have a a full-time position in a building. So it was something that I couldn't miss. Um, And here I I direct mainstay shows. And uh, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Lovely. And um, how how does your role fit in within the building and the other people around you? So it's kind of, when I came, an associate post didn't exist. So I kind of, on day one, had certain things that I was brought up to to put into place and uh, other than that it was kind of just creating the role as well so I, I guess the basis of the role is directing on the main stage so at the moment I'm doing three shows a year uh, I've just finished Jumpers uh, Up and Under and uh, before that I had Hard Times and Jumpers for Goalposts so that kind of takes uh, maybe six weeks a time um, so that is the, the vast majority and then aside from that it's the studio and when I first came there was not really any studio work uh, so I I was charged with creating a studio program and so I'm programming the work in the studio and running the artist development side of things as well just trying to give opportunities to um, artists across the country uh, that maybe haven't been here and uh, just trying to open the door I guess and make it a little easier for people to come and work here and making sure that we're seeing uh, different actors, directors, designers on and off the stage. Lovely. And can you tell us about one of your biggest achievements you've felt or you found since you've come to Oldham? Has it been in the studio or has it been main stage? Or... Oh, good question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess for main stage, it was probably hard times. Uh, I was given a, a Dickens and I'd, I'd never done a, a Charles Dickens before. Um, and the kind of size and the scale of the piece was was absolutely huge. Just as an indication, there was, I think, 350 uh, lighting cues. And we'd normally have 150 to 180. Um, so just the fact that I had a cast of seven uh, playing so many parts and they were all multi-rolling and we had uh, music in the piece. So I was really proud of that because it was a piece that I'd maybe not have expected to do myself and the studio just as a whole really that we had a a black box space that we're 
sitting in now uh, that didn't really have much work in it. And all of a sudden there's kind of 30 companies a year um, working in there. And I think within that, giving free rehearsal space to artists has been something that I've loved to be able to do. Uh, certainly myself, I know how hard it can be to get rehearsal space or afford rehearsal space. So to see this room sitting empty and be able to go, here it is, come and use it, uh, was probably one of the, the nicest things that I've been able to do. Brilliant. And so going back, going back a bit, can you tell us a bit about your training and just about your journey and how you got here? Yes, uh, I trained as an actor originally, which not loads of people know. Uh, I spent three years at Bretton Hall, which is part of Leeds Uni. Um, it is now over at Leeds University. So I spent three years acting and uh, and absolutely loved it and thought that would be the career path that I would pursue. Um, I left drama school and realized I, I wasn't particularly very good at it. Um, awful memory. So learning <laughs> lines was, there was a few indicators that were telling me not to do it. And uh, and in the third year of drama school, I'd started directing uh, theatre and education tours um, in the community and in schools. And it was kind of that that took my attention. Um, after actor training, I kind of moved around a little with my partner. We lived up in Edinburgh. Um, and so kind of did bits at the fringe started to make my own work and then trained as a teacher uh, which at the time I thought was a, a genius idea train as a teacher and um, be able to I guess do supply supply work uh, when I wasn't directing uh, so I trained at Goldsmiths as a secondary school teacher and kind of got caught in it actually I ended up doing it for four maybe five years um, by the end of that, I was uh, head of drama at an academy, a secondary school in Hackney, um, and kind of woke up one day and just went, oh, I've been teaching four years. This wasn't the plan. Uh, and even though I loved it, there was still that that itch that needed scratching to, to go and make work. So all the time I was kind of doing fringe work in London, and uh, that was getting a, a bit more attention and, and going quite well. So when I was teaching, I did a part-time master's at Rada and Birkbeck, in text and performance with the directing pathway. I uh, finished the master's, handed my notice in at school, had a, a brief meltdown uh, <laughs> as my bank balance changed drastically and yeah, uh, it suddenly reverted back to pasta and pesto every day and, and things like that. My partner looking at me, gone out, you know, but actually being really supportive because she knew it's what I wanted to do. Um, and did some freelancing, uh, teaching at drama schools, uh, directing at the Arcola in London, uh, Soho, Soho Theatre, and um, finding a love for new writing, so the High Tide Festival, um, places like that, and just start to build a CV and, and get an understanding of what the work that I wanted to make was. Um, and then I was at the Almeida for two years, started with their, in their education department, working with schools, colleges, universities, uh, working with artists aged 18 to 30, um, by the end of that, I was leading the Almeida projects, which was the new work department uh, or the kind of education and development department. Um, and then came up here, kind of went home one day and said to my partner, I got this job in Manchester. Would you come with me? Uh, and seven months later, she did, thankfully. Uh, so I spent a lot of time between Manchester and uh, London for a good six, seven months. And then, yeah, and here I am, two years later, in, in the Coliseum. Yeah, it's, I, it's such a brave thing to quit that 
stability of being a teacher and then just taking that leap of faith do you really do you really remember that specific moment of going nope I need to change yeah even saying it out loud to you I'm like my heart rate just increased massively and my palms started to sweat <laughs> um but like now no regrets at all and I just I needed to do it and I had to do it and I think I'd have resented myself really if I'd have not taken that leap and just working with the the students at school like i said i was helping them create work but hadn't fully kind of uh, done it myself and that didn't feel right that i was passing on something that was all to me theoretical um i wanted to put it in practice myself so going back to drama school at uh, kind of 26 27 i think and uh suddenly being in a voice class again and movement classes and working with writers and things uh it was just so exciting i just felt so alive with it um and so yeah it was definitely the right thing and uh we're in the arts so we're never going to be rich and so i kind of <laughs> accepted that early on and i guess you're never going to be particularly rich teaching either but um uh, but yeah it w- wasn't about that absolutely so this kind of goes quite well into our next question of, um, do you have any specific practitioners whose work really inspires you in the work that you do? Or was there anything when you were studying that really shone out for you? It's always a, an odd one because I think some directors do follow uh, or kind of stick quite rigidly to certain practice. I think because I'm from a, a, an acting background and not a, an English literature background, um, it's always been a similar approach to an actor where I think you kind of use the tools that you need for the job. So the rehearsal room for up and under was a very different process to hard times. I think if I tried to kind of take certain methods and apply them, um, then I, I think that can kind of restrict the work. And it sometimes surprises me what I find myself dipping into. And, and, and so I might go back to Brecht, um, like have a little for up and under, or uh, Larbin and kind of looking at the physical states and Jacques Lecoq. Um, so it is kind of going back to the practitioner that I need. I kind of uh, have Katie Mitchell's directing book uh, next to the bed and do often kind of dip into that as well. And and her practice is my kind of ideal, but what she says in that particular book is normally applicable to a six-week rehearsal process, which we don't have in Oldham. <laughs> uh, it's three weeks, so it can't be, can't be uh, applied as is. Um, yeah, but the right tools for the job, I think. And um, So what is your process when you get a brand new script? Do you have a very rigid checklist of things you go through, or does it kind of depend on the project? Um, I read it, I try and read the script from every character's point of view. Uh, so the first thing I do is look at it from that character's point of view and then see the different stories that make up the overarching uh, story itself. Um, and you then start to pull out the potential of everything it can be. And so you're kind of looking at this play and not going, it is this but it could be this, it could be this. And then that just starts to have ideas kind of whirling around about the form um, and the approach in the rehearsal room and also the kind of actors that I need for that or that I'd like to work with for that. Um, And then just kind of going through it with a a really close eye for detail. Uh, So 
looking at the text and asking questions. I tried to apply two questions to each play, so one around form and one around content, and that just gives me a kind of route in what the play is doing, what the purpose of the play is. And then that leads me to uh, the questions or the conversations that I'd like the audience to leave with. And obviously you can never plant that, but you can direct them in some way. And I kind of look at a text and go, if I go to the bar after and I hear the audience talking about the play, what is it that they're going to be questioning? What is it that they are going to comment on? And just so what is the play uh, going to do? What and how is that story going to impact on people? And uh, that can change from play to play, but also from venue to venue. I think the work at the Coliseum um, has a very different, serves a different purpose to its audience, to that of the work of the Coliseum, uh, to the Armida, or wherever it might be. Okay, and do you, have you found that your training as an actor has really had a big influence over the way you look at scripts? I found that it means that I don't sit cross-legged in a rehearsal room as much as 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 much as the stereotype might have you believe i do kind of get up and uh and just kind of play with the actors and uh, i think play is still at the heart of it i think teaching has teaching has probably influenced my approach more than acting actually uh and seeing how open uh and creative young people can be with text or with devising and trying to capture that and apply that to actors that have been doing it for a long time and uh, or not um and it is yeah so it's kind of keeping that fun element and just realizing why we're all there and that we're actually really lucky to be in a room uh, creating or telling stories so what is it about a certain piece that makes you want to direct it when you first read it it's what its value is socially i guess i have to find a hook for each play and I kind of go, why does, why does this need to be seen? Why does this need to be heard? Why is this important now? And we're very much in a kind of Netflix generation. And <coughs> people can access information and news and stories so immediately. And they can all, all also discard them so quickly. You know, think about, like I said, Netflix and, and all the kind of uh, TV streaming sites and, uh, and how you can access the news on your phone or, or whatever, and, and then it's gone. So it's about finding a story or finding the hook of a story that is going to stay longer than that. And what is it about theatre and what is it about that piece that is enhanced by it being live in front of you? Um, and sometimes you have to look harder than... With some plays, you have to look harder than others. Uh, some it is just kind of obvious that there's maybe a social or political motive behind the text. Um, but then sometimes you can actually look too hard and you can get too deep into it, like with Up and Under. Eventually, I just stepped back and just went, I need to allow this to be a, a fun and uplifting story of a, a group of disparate people coming together. And it doesn't necessarily need to be anything more than that not everything needs to be political theater not everything needs to be shakespeare or, or whatever um so it's yeah finding the hook of that that play and if there isn't one then i i essentially don't think i'd do it or i'd fight to not put that on um because maybe it is there but maybe just not for me and do you find that hook ever changes throughout rehearsal so you might have chosen the project because of one particular thing but you end up adoring another part of the story or another part of the play yeah pretty much every time and I, I'd, I'd be worried if it didn't because otherwise 
things are too set and even going into a rehearsal um i have an idea or kind of a through line of how the play could be but not how the play should be and uh i love working with the actors to find uh, what the play is what what makes the play our version of it and not someone else's what gives it the identity that we uh, want it to have um so it's uh, it's a pretty open rehearsal room and uh and actors generally so far have, have embraced that, but I do want to ask questions and not always necessarily have the answer straight away. And I, I do want them to input into the piece because uh, that will change the direction. So the two questions that we start with at the end, at the beginning of the process um, can change or can sometimes fade away. I don't think those questions uh, that I start when I'm doing text work should be visible on stage. Um, but they're a starting point. So in your directing career, what's been your favorite moment? Oh, wow. Being paid to, to, <laughs> to do the job. I, it's, it's crazy. I sometimes wake up and go a number of times in a room and I'll just go to people, how has this happened? You know, uh, like choreographing rugby scenes in slow motion. And just going, what what went wrong or right, depending how you look at it. Um, so, yeah, just so many moments. With every play, there are things. Um, I think my, my work in my master's uh, for my dissertation um, has been the kind of highlight so far. We, I looked at the play in a day concept and looked at responsive theatre and over six weeks worked with a cast of seven and two writers. And we would meet at 7.30 in the morning. We'd get the newspapers from that day and we would devise in response to that. And then we'd put it on at half seven that night and we'd have a stage manager who was following uh, live news feeds. And if there was any breaking news, she'd say and they'd respond to it. And it's it's done in other ways, but it's quite often done comedically, uh, whereas we kind of want to look at how we can do that. Um, and not just default to making light of it. Um, and so we had a different show every night. And it was just so, I, I just raw. And the energy in the room every night and absolute fear from the actors and the audience as well. Of uh, so Obviously, if you don't do it, you don't have a show. We always did, thankfully. Exciting stuff. So um, what have you found has been the, have been the challenges of being a director? And like juggling it with your personal life as well, because it's obviously so easy to just to let it take over all the time. Do you have any checkpoints that you think, right, I need to take a step back now? Or um, I sometimes I just burst with enthusiasm for doing it. And yeah, and it, and it can take its toll. And I do have to have moments, certainly in, in Manchester, the theatre scene is, is thriving. And, but also quite close. Uh, buildings are all fairly accessible and a lot of people in the industry know each other and so there's just so much to see um i think i've been to something every night this week and and that's with my own show as well um and luckily my partner is an actor so she gets it completely uh but it just means that you're living a life as, as you'll know yourself and i've not eaten at home for five days <laughs> and and you kind of you can be up at nine in the morning, and uh, so you can be in, in a rehearsal room at nine in the morning, and then like tonight I'm doing a, a Q and A that's at quarter to ten, and so yeah, it's the hours are, are crazy, um, but yeah, I wouldn't change it 
for the world. And uh, a tough question now. Where would you see yourself in five years? <coughs> um, I see myself in five years at the Oldham Coliseum in the new building, and I'm very much looking forward to being there. <laughs> um, should I still be employed by the Coliseum <laughs> at that stage? Uh, but all going well, I will be. Uh, it's going okay so far, I think. And so, yeah, there's a new building opening in 2020. And uh, I, if possible, love to see that through, I think. Uh, there's going to be a studio. We've got a studio at the moment, which is a 50-seat black box theatre, and the studio in the new build is 175 seats. So just the potential to support artists uh, to be in that space is absolutely amazing. Um, so in five years, the building will be a couple of years in, into its uh, into its new space, and uh, yeah, making work on the main house stage, but also working with companies and getting as many artists as we can on the stage and giving people a chance to create work. And you obviously do a lot of freelance work as well. How are you sort of planning to nurture that work over the next few years? Um, I'm not doing as much as I, I... I freelanced a lot more in London. In Manchester, it's kind of... Uh, the Coliseum is full-time and pretty consuming, so uh, I'm not doing so much, but uh, there are moments. I'm about to do a JB Shorts and... And I support uh, a lot of the work at 53.2 and uh, Manchester ADP as well. So it's just kind of choosing the work that is right for me and work that I can genuinely and honestly fully give myself to. Um, otherwise, I, it's not fair. And there are plenty of great directors out there that could be doing it. So, uh, so yeah, a, bit, a little more selective with freelance work at the moment. Um, but some things you just can't say no to like i love doing the uh, take back theater stuff when they ask me um because it's responsive political theater and it's kind of what i care about what i believe in um but yeah that doesn't help with sleep patterns and general sanity <laughs> <laughs> sorry just to go back to take back theater just we'll just do a quick ex do you want to do a quick explanation of what they do yeah uh, yeah, so Take Back are a theatre collective and it's uh, Bex Harrison, Julia Hesmond-Hosh and Grant Archer. And I think they've been going for two years now. And they respond to political and social events. Um, so Trump's inauguration and uh, various things that, that, that have been on. So they uh, quite often they do 10 takes on, um, so like the, the, elect, the last election. Uh, things like that. Um, and they do uh, short plays, script and hand plays that are responding to it. So finally, if uh, if anyone listens to this and go, oh, I just need some more of Chris. How do I know more about him? Uh, what's the best way to sort of follow your work and and see what you're up to? Um, Twitter, I guess. I've just gone on Instagram as well. So I don't get it at all. <laughs> I've put four photos on there and some people have liked them. So that's all good. Um, so I guess Twitter, I kind of use uh, a lot for for work and things like that. And the Coliseum website as well, the kind of artist development page. And uh, and if people email me, I do try and respond. And people are probably listening going, you've not replied and it's been a month. Um, but I do sit and try and get back to people as well. Or sometimes just picking up the phone. I'm not always in the office, but when I am... Um, like I said, it, it, the lovely thing in, in Manchester is you can have a chat and a coffee with people and they are generally open to that. So, uh, yeah, 
pop into the Coliseum. Maybe I shouldn't say that. Again, everyone will just be, oh, you said just come in. And I'll be like, oh, uh, not now. But, um, but yeah, on the website and social media. And what's your Twitter handle? It's at Chris underscore Lawson underscore 85, I think. Lovely. Well, people will search and <laughs> follow some random person. But yeah. anyway, um, well, thank you so much for speaking with us today. It's been an absolute pleasure. And um, I hope you don't get caught in the rain on the way home. Well, that was Chris Lawson. Uh, and first interview done, Sophie. Well done. Thank you very much. Um, what did you think? Uh, well, firstly, what a lovely guy Chris is. So nice to talk to him and um, really just relaxed and easy and really, really approachable. It was very, very nice to, to chat to him. Yeah, he's, he's a great guy. And actually one thing, um, he's just, as he comes across in that interview, he's like come up and absolutely is like a figure on the Manchester Theatre scene. Like you always see him about. He's not only at the Oldham Coliseum, but he'll be, you'll see him at ADP, which we're going to talk about a bit more uh, next week. And um, at 53-2 quite a lot. So he kind of is real um, asset to the Manchester Theatre scene, I think. Yeah, it was... Um a very good episode, I think. Very yeah, good first we'll episode to us. decide that. <laughs> and, <laughs> and next uh, next episode, we're going to be interviewing Hannah from ADP, which is, well, we th- I think it stands for Actor Director Producers. Whereas I think it's Actor Director Partnership. So but that's, that's going to be our first question next week. But it's a, it's a group that, if you're not already aware of ADP, it's a, a big network in Manchester of actors, directors, writers, and they stage uh, pieces of new writing in script, um, script-in-hand uh, performances. But they have just done their first fully funded production uh, with Arts Council, with an Arts Council grant, so it's quite an exciting time to talk to them. So, uh, yeah, t- uh, tune in. I don't know if you tune into podcasts. Download them, listen to them, stream them uh, next uh, for the next episode. And i just like to also point, so Hannah Ellis, she's also an actor and she also just produces a ton of other stuff as well. So although we're talking to her specifically about ADP, there's, she's also a wealth of talents in any other in every other way cool well done so always guarding the artistic egos of the people we're going to interview <laughs> uh brilliant see you next week <laughs>